volatility, uncertainty, complexity. This is the work environment that is our reality. What will leaders need to know to be successful in the future? Who will they need to be to build team member commitment? How will they need to show up to create a motivating environment for their people? Welcome to the Sal Sylvester on the Future of Leadership podcast, a dialogue about how leaders will need to adapt to be successful in a rapidly changing world. And now, please join your host and executive producer, Sal Sylvester, to engage in the conversation about the future of leadership and how to transform people into confident leaders. Welcome to the final episode of season three of Sal Sylvester on the future of leadership. I am Sal Sylvester, your host and founder and CEO of 512 Solutions, an executive coaching and leadership development firm based in Boulder, Colorado, helping leaders create healthy, aligned, and more human workplaces. I'm thrilled to have you join us today. It's hard to believe that this is our final episode of season three. We started the season back in October of 2020. Knowing how difficult of a year it had been to date, given COVID and so many other challenges that we faced in our world, we decided to focus on the topic of resilience. Little did we know how important that topic would continue to be, not just because of COVID, but in just a short period of time, we would face other challenges too. A divisive political environment, the storming of the Capitol in January, the racially motivated shootings in Atlanta in March, and then here in my hometown of Boulder, Colorado, at a local King Supers that I know all too well, the mass shootings that resulted in the unnecessary deaths of 10 members of our community, including a courageous law enforcement officer who was very well known in our community. And as we wrap up this season, I thought it would be helpful to bring us back to some of the insights shared throughout the season and during this very difficult time period in our human history. Please keep in mind that part of what we hope to do through this podcast is to provide tools and frameworks to prepare you for the future of leadership. So almost all of our episodes this season were supplemented with a downloadable tool or other resources, all of which you can find on each episode's page on our Future of Leadership podcast and blog page on our website, just go out to 512solutions.com. That's the numbers 512solutions.com to get those important tools and frameworks. All right. So let's jump back into season three to hear from each of our inspirational guests and episode topics. We opened season three with an interview with Dr. David J. Palmeter, a full professor of psychology at Marywood University, fellow of the American Psychological Association and board certified clinical psychologist with over 30 years of private practice experience. During this interview, Dr. David Palmeter shared strategies on how to develop resilience in yourself and others, both inside and outside of the workplace. Here are some of the highlights. Cumulative stress, as well as our pre-existing vulnerabilities, seem to be significantly taxing our mental health. Many people don't know this, but the Census Bureau has been doing a survey every couple of weeks of the nation's mental health. 
And this morning, I just crunched the numbers for the most recent edition, was, which was from um, first two weeks in September. And what they found is that 52% of Americans report feeling down, depressed, or hopeless at least mm-hmm. several days a week. That's a sample of over, over 200 million adults. Likewise, they asked how many frequency of feeling nervous, anxious, or on edge. And 63% of adults said they feel that way at least several days a week. If you bump it up a little bit and say, how many feel each of those things more than half the time? 21% the depression, one in five. And 30% the anxiety, one out of three. So it's now normative to Mm. have significant experiences of depression and anxiety. And you probably know this, this data, uh, depression is the number one cause of workplace absenteeism for mm-hmm. the National Institute of Mental Health and costs businesses each year about $44 billion. Wow. So when you add the factors of burnout, morale, bullying at the workplace and the COVID stress, it's just a mighty, mighty burden. I wonder if the etymology of COVID-19 is to get one's teeth kicked in. And so when people walk around declaring, oh, everything's awesome, you know, it's nothing but greatness, I wonder, you know, either what they're selling or what kind of insecurity they might have, because all of us have some degree of loss these days. And being authentic with that is important. And at the same time, I can't help to notice a sense of sadness or loss So you just started telling us this, but how do we go about taking time to do that grieving? Well, it's important not to conflate depression with grief because they Mm -hmm. can feel the same, but they're very different. Depression involves an internal enemy. You know, I like Stephen King's line, ghosts are real, monsters are real too. They live inside us and sometimes they win. So depression is like an internal enemy. It's a lying liar that distorts truth. Depression needs no time from us. Actually, when I work with clients through cognitive behavioral therapy, I'm caging their internal depression. It's all about, you know, disempowering it because it's not, it's based on things that aren't true. Grief, however, represents Mm -hmm. true loss. And that has to get dealt with differently. That needs to be authentically experienced. We have so much data on this. If we, if we don't experience it legitimately, we become at risk for complicated grief where time stops and you just become trapped in this uh, suffering. So one way to do this is to create stillness, you know, mm-hmm. try a couple times a week, even if it's for 10 minutes. I use uh, Dr. Kristen Neff's exercise where you close your eyes, put your hand on your heart and imagine yourself as a vulnerable child. And then pull to mind what you're feeling, what losses you have. If it's self-compassionate, you're not doing things in your head like, oh, well, but I haven't, you know, no one's died or I still have my job. You're not mitigating your loss with that kind Mm -hmm. of hostile comparison. You know, what you're doing is just authentically owning what what your loss is. For those folks who, who live a lot in their heads, you know, I sometimes am guilty of that. I have a couple YouTube videos I can send you that can prime getting in touch of what we're feeling, not, not escalated or not created, but just get us more in touch. There's some nice COVID-themed uh, YouTube videos that are, are very, very uh, emotional. 
And the, that's, ter- the that's terrific, by the way. We'll, we'll put those up on our podcast episode page for our listeners so they can tap into those. Great. And then the first step is to be empathic. Mm-hmm. Sometimes in families or with our children or whatever, we jump right to reassurance. And that is not a full experience. We have to be empathic of what we're feeling, and then we can follow up with reassurance. Yeah. So I, I have a couple of follow-up questions for this. And the first is around empathy. I was re- recently coaching a, a CEO of a fast-growing high-tech company, highly successful man who's doing incredible work in our world for patient outcomes. And he said, one, he doesn't have empathy. And number two, he doesn't understand the importance of empathy. How, how do you respond to that? His banquet that his mission can realize has just been cut in half at least. Hmm. So to be able to experience some version you know, of another person's thoughts and feelings. Empathy is different from compassion or sympathy. Empathy is, I'm, I'm actually, it's connected knowing what one uh, psychoanalyst call it. It's ha- experiencing some version of the other. And this is very important in connectedness, which is connect social connect, quality of social connection is the one predictor, number one with a bullet, of both physical and mental health long-term. There, there's nothing else the number two factor is a distant second. I'm talking, you can do brain scans, you can measure, do blood analysis, you can see how much people are exercising or doing yoga or praying or whatever. And nothing better predicts in longitudinal research, physical and mental health better than social connection. Try having social connection of a high quality without empathy. Good luck. You talk about this concept of meaning making and uh, the way that I interpret that and tell me if you see it differently, is that we attach a meaning to an experience or an event that we have. And the meaning that we attach to it is entirely in our control. Uh, So maybe there's a loss of a job, as an example, and someone attaches meaning of I'm not good enough or hopelessness or uh, but someone else might attach this a uh, different meaning uh, like, hey, there's an opportunity here for me to move into a different aspect of my career. How do you see the concept of meaning making and why is that important? So it starts with how we think about what resilience means. Mm-hmm. In one facet of the literature, resilience is getting on the other side, surviving it. But another facet I think is better. It's the one I align my scholarship up with. And that is true resilience you arrive on the other side of the stress, stronger, wiser, better. Mm. And so the question becomes, what can we do that's under our control? Because some things are temperamental or outside of our control. What can we do under our control that will promote post-traumatic growth? So Mm -hmm. the hit makes stronger, wiser, better. So I, I have a little statue in my office. I work with all my clients. The idea is that our pain is a dragon guarding treasure. Mm. We have to experience a driving first. There's yeah. no getting around it. We have to have the authentic. We, we don't like that. We don't like to suffer. You know, if I was, if I was around when they were writing the Constitution, I wouldn't say put in pursuit of happiness. I'd say put in pursuit of high road living because knowing how to suffer wisely is such a key part wow. of any high road life or any realized mission. And so we have to know how to experience the dragon's clients. If it doesn't kill us or trap us, it flies away. And the treasure is at least equal to the dose of pain. So the greater the pain, the greater the treasure, if we know to look for it. And that's where the meaning making comes in. And the scholarly research is clear. 
the best predictor. When people suffer a trauma, there's a, you know, if you think of it, a path that they're going to go on one or two roads, the best predictor of being on a post-traumatic growth road is meaning making. And that doesn't mean that you say, okay, the pain was worth it. Like sometimes the, the pain is, is the death of a, of a child or the loss yeah. of a job or cancer. And we, it's not like we're saying, okay, yay, but that's not the case. What we say is, okay, that was terrible. The dragon was, was cruel and vicious, but I'm on the other side of it now. Where's the treasure? And the dose, the more the pain, the greater the treasure. You know, I sent you an exercise I used to have te- clients teach that to themselves, almost like you prove an algebraic equation. And I'll send you a link for it so people can download that themselves Great. if they want. It's terrific. And do the exercise and prove it to you by just looking at past pains. In November, we released an episode with one of our top executive coaches, Jan Jenkins. Jan specializes in helping leaders successfully navigate today's unprecedented speed of change. Her understanding of what it takes to be a resilient leader was forged in the depths of personal tragedy. What they discovered was it was really people who had had at least one defining moment in their life and how they called these defining moments crucibles. Mm -hmm. It was a time when an individual was forced to make a decision about who they are and what they're capable of. And interestingly enough, it could be positive or negative. It could be big or small. The point was you went through a period of testing and there was a transformation. Mm. What emerged was a actually one of two directions, which is kind of what I mentioned earlier. Either an individual became hopelessly broken or powerfully emboldened to learn and lead. And the other thing that they they coined a term called adaptive capacity, and they said these are traits that typified these extraordinary leaders. They Their shared traits were like adaptability, vision, integrity was a big one, and unquenchable optimism. Our son, Chris, was 21. Missing did not compute. Maybe his car keys, maybe a credit card. Not Chris. He was a college senior in the Carlson School of Management, graduating in one semester. He was the goalie on the University of Minnesota lacrosse team. This kid was at the top of his game, loved life, had a zest for life. It wasn't just his family, his roommates, his professors, we contacted, you know, like a 360 gamut of his life. Everyone was stunned. We contacted the Minneapolis police and learned that because he was older than 18, he had a right to disappear and he was probably on a road trip. Based on what we knew about our son, and he and my husband, Steve, spoke every day. We were a really close family. They, they were good pals at this point, Okay. We just knew something was wrong. So this began what ended up being years of an investigation. We, again, I mentioned that was 2002, literally 10 days after what would be his 22nd birthday in early 2003, February 27th, his body was found in the Mississippi River between the University of Minnesota campus and 
Minneapolis. How did you guys stay so strong? How did you do what you did? And I had to sit back and really think about that. And I came up with five different points that I put in a book. I wrote a book about this entire situation, Footprints of Courage. And it isn't just about our family's footprints. Hundreds, hundreds of people stepped forward to help. There was support coming in electronically around the world within a couple of days. Mm. One thing I would encourage leaders to do is when you're in any crisis or tough situation, gather your support networks around you, get as much support as you need and, you know, and encourage your people to do the same thing. So these five points, basically the first one was belief, you know, what did we believe? And in this situation, we had an unwavering belief in our son, Chris, we knew who he was. We would never leave one of our own behind. The second point was purpose. Our why Mm. it was rock solid, laser focused, find Chris. The third one was basically a decision. It was, and that decision is courage, having courage to make the decisions, take the actions that you need to take. The fourth step is commitment. And commitment is really about staying the course, going the distance, regardless of circumstances. I can remember, I was asked by the media all the time, didn't you ever want to give up? Well, I didn't want to give up. I did get tired. I did get, I did feel hopeless. And what I did sell more than once is I got a bunch of pictures of Chris. I lined them up along the mantle and I took one look in his eyes and I was back on track in a New York second. The fifth point is resilience, that ability to, to persevere through adversity. One definition that I really think is interesting in terms of resilience is it's what shapes us. Yeah. It makes us who we are, the broken and the new growth, the character lines, if you will, of being alive. Terry Farnsworth, an incredible leader and vice president of human resources for Renewable Energy Systems, the world's largest independent renewable energy company that has been at the forefront of renewable energy for 35 years. Terry joined us in December of 2020. Terry's got over 30 years in the field of human resources with experiences in a number of global organizations, including Baxter and Aero Electronics and others. In this episode, Terry shared how connection, community, and the employee journey are all keys to enabling your team to bounce back and emerge stronger. So I'll tell you one of the keys, I think, as we think about life today, again, personal or professional, is asking for help or even accepting help from individuals isn't showing weakness. You can't go on this road on your own and still think about being as successful as you can be. It's the people that help you in that journey that are going to be a significant element to ensuring that you can achieve all that you can. Mm. And I'm very lucky. I know that you are as well, Sal. We have some wonderful support systems around us. And it takes time to build that. And it, it also takes being 
someone who's willing to share intimate elements of their lives, yeah. whether that's good or bad, showing the things that aren't always going particularly well and, and being honest about that along the way. That vulnerability is really important. Some leaders really believe they have to be on point. They have to have mm -hmm. the right messaging. They have to show up in a certain way. And I'll tell you, I think leadership is messy. It's We don't have all of the answers. I mean, goodness, rarely do we have all of the answers that are given to yeah. us. And isn't that right. why we're in these jobs to help bring that clarity along the way? But, but again, don't go it alone because the more feedback that you have from your team, the more successful you're going to be in, in being able to deliver on a vision or a mission. How are you building or what strategies have you seen or using to build resilience within your organizations? Sure. Well, I'll tell you one of the things that, that, that I'll focus on first is, and again, I know that there's a leadership component to what we want to talk about. And, and it's a reminder to leaders that, that you're in your positions because you've done something wonderful to be able to achieve a certain level of success. But the moment that you step into those leadership roles, it's no longer about you. It's absolutely about the teams that you have and the individuals that you're pulling up through the organization. Your success is absolutely dependent upon them achieving greatness, and you are a critical element to that. In December, we also launched a podcast that summarized some research we learned from our top 20 clients and how they were addressing the challenges of remote working and the strategies they're using to build resilience in their organizations. Here are a couple of highlights. We're seeing more humanity come out. And here's what I mean by that. In some really interesting ways, we've all been invited into each other's workplace, I'm sorry, into each other's homes. Like we're, we're our home offices and we are getting a sense of where people are outside of work. And I think this has really lessened the corporate veil if you will, like the title and the corner office, we're, we're getting to see people in a whole new light. I've, I've had more conversations with CEOs, kids that have walked in on coaching sessions or seen cats and dogs and met other family members. I think there's something here that uh, is meaningful that I hope we can take forward beyond where we are today. We're noticing that issues are sticking around longer for longer periods of time. They're not getting resolved as quickly as what how they might get resolved when people are on site together. And we're also noticing that for new leaders that are coming into an organization from outside an organization, it's a lot harder to create psychological safety. It just takes a longer period of time to get to know people. And we're seeing this trend even more on teams that are more engineering mindset focused, if you will. And I, I don't want to stereotype here, but what I've noticed about people that tend to be more logic focused and objective and skeptical is that they tend to be trust earners, not necessarily trust givers, meaning you have to earn their trust before they give you their trust versus just giving it to, uh, to you automatically. So we're noticing it's taking longer for leaders outside an organization to create psychological safety. In our January episode, we took a broader look at resilience with our special guest, Scott Sternberg. Scott has a deep background as an executive in global organizations and is now the Associate Vice President of Economic Vitality and the Executive Director of the Boulder Economic Council. 
Scott shares insight into how leaders are responding to the crisis and how they view leadership in a post-COVID world. Nothing has tested the values that an organization yeah. puts on its wall more than what has gone on in the last nine months or so. Yes. Um, this has been a true measure of what do companies truly believe? And I, I think a lot of times companies go through the values conversation and you know get to the point where they can put it on a wall or a nice sticker or a nice tchotchke that sits on everyone's desks. But this is where they're tested. You know, mm. I mean, is it, are they really employee centric? Are they really customer centric? Are they really environmentally centric? You know, so on and so forth. This is where your values have been tested in earnest. And uh, I think that, uh, you know, as an organization, not only dusting off your strategic plan and your resiliency, your financial reserves, you know, your, your product mix, for instance, and, and how vulnerable you may or may be on your supply chain. Yeah, those are all great things. But testing the core of your organization in terms of who you are, where you want to go and how you uh, act, that's what's being tested in earnest. And that's what senior leadership, you know, that's the role of senior leadership is to guide the organization through those conversations. You know, another trend that, that we're certainly seeing is this, you could call it deglobalization towards a more local perspective. Mm. So, you know, large organizations are trying to mitigate their supply chains and, and, and ensure that they're creating resilience around, um, you know, their supply chains and their, their critical paths as they flow both talent and products and services in and out of their organizations. But certainly all of us on a personal level are looking more locally. And I think, Given the circumstances now, what's going around the country in terms of the restrictions that are being implemented, certainly not at the federal level, and in some cases broadly at the state level, but the public health guidance is being issued at the county level, and in some cases hmm. at the municipal levels. And so being tied into a local chamber of commerce, for instance, uh, or a local you know, business group, really can allow you to get access to actionable and uh, single point um, or, or single authoritative information yeah. in terms of what the public health restrictions are. Because if you can only operate at 50, 25, 10% occupancy rate as a bar or restaurant, you need to know how to manage that going forward. And that often is a moving target that's only going to come from you know, that local information chain. In February 2021, we released our goal-setting masterclass to guide you through a five-step process to start 2021 with intention and purpose and to create your best year yet. We had almost 100 people join us for this masterclass and thousands of people over the years have downloaded our ultimate goal-setting guide, a 39-page guide that you can download free on our website. Here's a highlight from the masterclass. Quote by Henry Ford which I love and, and really impacted me from the first time I ever saw this, whether you think you can or you think you can't, you're right. And I think, you know, when I reflect on my life and I look back, I often find myself not taking the risk that I probably could take or maybe hiding a little bit or not putting myself out there as much as I could or taking a stand for something that I think is important. and if I sort of go down the timeline of my life and look back, I'm guessing that I probably won't regret the risks that I took and failed at, but I will regret the things that I didn't do because I was scared. And so this step, I think, is a really critical step. It's a step of understanding where are we limiting ourselves today? 
Where are we limiting ourselves? What are those voices that are playing inside your head that might be stopping you or holding you back from really achieving your full potential? On March 9th, almost to the day, the one-year milestone of COVID in the United States, we released a masterclass on the four choices resilient leaders make to help equip people with a new capacity around resilience. To supplement the session, we also provided a Resil toolkit so that our listeners could apply the four choices to their current situation. And maybe the most important point about resilience here is that what we found in our work, both with clients anecdotally and through research, is that resilient people focus on what they can control. And there's a lot of things that we cannot control in this world today. Just turn on the, on the news. In fact, maybe don't turn on the news to reduce the level of stress. But anytime there is an unexpected event, we can't control the nature of that event. We can't control what other people are doing. We can't control the geopolitical environment. But there are a number of things that we can control. And these are the things that resilient people tend to focus on. Number one, what is our focus? What are the words that we use? What do we think about? What do we spend time and energy on? Number two, our beliefs. What's the meaning that we make from an experience? What do we believe about ourselves and others? Number three, we can control how we act. And number four, what we learn. Thank you for joining me today and during all of season three. Please take a moment to provide a rating on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're tuning in. That's always helpful and very grateful for you in doing that. We will be back with season four later this spring with more amazing people, more amazing content and tools to help you create an aligned, healthy and more human workplace. And if you want to learn more about how we can help transform your people into confident and action-oriented leaders that are prepared for the future, please check out our website at 512solutions.com. And as a reminder, don't forget to check out all of the free downloads and toolkits and frameworks that we offer this season. You can find those in our episode session notes on our website at 512solutions.com. Just check out our Future of Leadership blog and podcast page. I look forward to reconnecting soon. I'm out.